Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode is supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. This episode, our storyteller shares how he became a senior captain for a steel company and some of the interesting places he got a chance to visit while on the job. Well, I got out of high school in June of 51. In October of 51, I went in the Air Force for four years. And I was an aircraft electrician there. And as soon as I left uh, the Air Force, I went to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, signed up at Spartan Aircraft for a flight engineer course I had and went through that. And while I was there, I was working part-time at American Airlines, and I thought I would be staying there for quite a while, but they came along with one of their famous layoffs, and I got caught in it. So I went back home to my parents' house, and uh, then I'm down to uh, White Plains, New York, where one of my good buddies from uh, Spartan had got a job at U.S. Steel, and so I went down and talked to him and kind of hung around there so, much, so long that they finally hired me. <laughs> but I started as a mechanic and uh, wanted me to be a flight mechanic, and uh, which means you fly along and take care of the airplane and uh, the passengers. So I did that, and then from that I finally got into the co-pilot seat, and then after that finally got in the captain's seat. And by the time I was done, I was ended up as senior captain with U.S. Steel in that's basically how I got started. It was a good career all along. It's the only job I've ever had, really, except for fiddly jobs along the way. I was there 37 years. You fly the execs, top execs around. Basically, sometimes you take the lower ones, but a lot of times, uh, mostly it's just the top execs you're flying from their different division or different places that they have to go. So you're hobnobbing with the top people in the country, but it's, it's like... When you're flying, I guess it'd be the same with the airline. It's like flight, living in two different worlds because you live in the work world or you live in the, you know, the world where you're at home and with everybody else. So it's it's almost like two, living in two different worlds. But I enjoyed it all the time we were there. It was great. And started out flying uh, Lockheed Lodestars and Learstars in like I said, I went to White Plains, and then they had divisions around the country. And the flight mechanic at Birmingham decided to leave or something. I forgot what. And uh, they wanted me to go down and fill in or go down and see about it. And I, at that point, I I don't think I'd even heard of Birmingham. But they came back a week later and says, well, why don't you go down and give it a, a week's try and see how you like it? So I went to Birmingham and uh, never came back. We lived there for about six years, and then the U.S. Steel decided to consolidate all their divisions into Pittsburgh. So they said, if I want to keep a job, I had to move to Pittsburgh. And so we spent 30 years in Pittsburgh flying out of there. Snow and ice and sleet and all that kind of stuff is not much fun. Like I said, I started on the Lodestar and the Learstar. And then while we're still in Birmingham, uh, Gulfstream came out with the Gulfstream 1. And we had one of those down there. And they had three of them up in Pittsburgh and White Plains. So I flew the Gulfstream 1 and then moved to Pittsburgh, and they later got the Gulfstream 2 and the Gulfstream 3. And, uh, of course, now they have the 4, 5, and 6, but uh, I retired before those came along. Besides the uh, Gulfstreams, back in the 60s, we had three Vicons, which uh, were turboprop airplanes that they brought over from England. And uh, 
they were brand new when they got them. We flew those. It was a four-engine. Flown a Sabreliner and a Hawker. And at one time, the company thought they were going to get a helicopter, and they wanted me to go to the helicopter school, and I didn't really want to go. But they said, if you want to keep working, you better go. So I went down, and that was back in 71. I've been in a helicopter about five times since then. But I got a rating and everything. Went to the Bell School in Fort Worth. They were flying Jet Ranger, so that was pretty nice duty. Uh, retired in 94, so I've been retired uh, 20 years now, which that doesn't seem possible either. While flying for U.S. Steel, our storyteller was able to visit some interesting places. Here he shared his most memorable trip. That was probably, uh, we had a trip from uh, Pittsburgh to uh, Australia, and we went by way of uh, the West Coast, spent the night there, went to Hawaii, spent the night there, and then on down to Australia. And of course, there was not enough fuel to get to Australia from Hawaii, so we landed a little speck out in the ocean there called Pango Pango. And that's all it is, really. It's just a refueling station for airplanes, basically. It's just a little speck of land in the ocean. And uh, Do you know anything else about that island? No, I don't. I never looked it up, but... Uh, well, there's, I mean, we don't see much of it. We saw the airport and that was it. Because all we did was land, refuel, and back in the air. So I don't really know what the, like the living conditions or what they did there or anything. Uh, just a place for us to stop for fuel. I'll have to look up the history of that sometime. I don't know. Pango Pango, which is also pronounced Peo Peo, is the capital of the American Samoan Islands. On the south side of the largest island where Peo Peo is, there's an international airport, and with a 9,000-foot runway with a magnetized heading of 230 degrees, which lines up pretty well with an incoming approach from Hawaii and a departure to Australia, Pango Pango is the perfect place to stop for charters that need to refuel over the Pacific. But the island is much more than a refueling station. American Samoa has a home to around 60,000 residents, Pango Pango with a population a little over 3,600. And today, a large part of their income for the island comes from some tourism and from the Starkist tuna cannery that employs many of the residents. American Samoa is a U.S. territory, and on April 17th, they all celebrate Flag Day, where on that day in 1900, the Navy flew an American flag over the island for the first time, making it a U.S. territory. Refueled there and then on down to Australia. Of course, being down in Australia, the people there, you wouldn't know you were out of the United States if they didn't drive on the wrong side of the road. So it's pretty much like being in the States. But it was, went around and saw all the sights in Sydney. Sydney's where we went. And that was a great flight. And probably the worst flight that stands out in my mind is uh, we had a flight to, uh, I can't remember the country, but it was on the west coast of Africa. And it was primitive. I mean, the thatched houses and thatched roof houses and uh, dirt roads. And uh, but uh, and we went over there mainly to look around, I guess, for ore because U.S. Steel needed the ore. But the reason they had a runway there is because the Russians were there with their jets and their ready hangers ready to fly at any moment. You know, that was a little intimidating landing there with a, all the Russian jets sitting there. But we had no problem. And uh, it's just the conditions were just... Uh, Boy, it's not someplace you want to go. Well, I've had an airplane almost all my life. Because when we were in Birmingham, we had, I had a Navion was my first airplane. Then we moved to Pittsburgh and got in with another guy and got a Bonanza. I just hung a batch of pictures in my um, kind of cave in the hangar. And uh, we've had 10 different airplanes over the life. So I've almost always had an airplane. And we got two now. We got the 
the RANS and the RV6. I built the RANS from a fast build kit because uh, I wanted to fly instead of work a long time building. So they have fast build kits, which is still a lot of assembly work. You gotta put everything in the airplane. Started on it in 2006 and finished it February of 2007. So it's been seven years now, eight years, I guess. The RV, uh, we had a Cardinal RG and sold it and bought the RV because we weren't using four seats and wanted a little more speed and stuff. So and we've had it since uh, 99. I've been lucky in my career because all the time I've been flying, I've never had to shut down an engine or never lost an engine and uh, never had any real emergency at all. So I've, I've really been lucky there because uh, I know most people, if they fly as long as I have, they've at least shut down an engine or one has quit on them, but uh, I've never had the problem. Ollie Washburn accumulated over 14,000 flight hours with U.S. Steel and his other flying jobs. Today, like he said, he flies his RANS aircraft's courier and his RV-6. Ollie takes his RANS out frequently and flies more than most of the people around him in Bushnell, Florida. You can check out pictures of Ollie, his aircrafts, and Pango Pango, as well as more information related to these stories by going to the article at thelogbookpodcast.com. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps bring awareness to the logbook. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of the logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in the logbook. Thank you.